0: Weekly news by Igaming Next is brought to you by Playson, quality games since 2012. This episode is sponsored by Zempler. We are back everybody. It's uh it's 2023, Connor.
1: It is. Yes, it's a new year, a new dawn, a new day. A new me, Jake, what's your resolutions?
0: Exactly. New year, new me. Uh, I've got some new glasses as you can see. Um morning, yeah, very nice Suits, resolutions. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm I'm doing dry January. That's a resolution, uh, that it's, counts, for it's sure. My, it's my birthday on the 1st of February, so it's pretty perfect timing to, uh, to be able to have a drink
1: again. Very nice. Yeah, we'll have to have a big party this time next month.
0: I haven't exactly. got any
1: real resolutions. Happy New Year, Katie. Straight in there. She joins us every <laughs> week. It's so good to have you with us once again, Katie. I hope you're doing well and you had a Happy New Year as well. Who else have we got with us in the audience? Pierre Lind, Henry McLean. Happy New Year to you all.
0: Yep. Happy New Year guys, thanks for joining us and uh, as always thanks to our sponsors of Weekly News, Platon and Zimpler that ran just before uh, we came on air and um, yeah keep an eye on the chat because we're going to be running through some 2023 predictions for the R gaming industry this year um, which will require some audience participation which is uh, something to look forward to. Very exciting. Um, how was your new, How was your uh, Christmas and, and and New Year Connor? Are we allowed to keep saying Happy New Year to people. Yeah, I think you've got a couple of days
1: left. I don't know if you've seen Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's the 5th of January, so you've got two more days. There's a scene in Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry David is, for unknown reasons, campaigning with a politician, and he starts making up new policies as he's going door-to-door. And one of them, and the best one, I think, is no Happy New Year after the 7th of January. I think that's a great one. You get one week, (laughs) and then enough. We can't be saying Happy yeah. New Year on the 17th of Jan,
0: 1st of Feb. No, you've got two days That late. seems fair. So. We've got to draw a line under it somewhere. So if you're still signing off your email signatures with Happy New Year, people, then uh, just take note. You've got two days left. to yeah, enjoy you
1: that. get away with it till tomorrow. <laughs> but come Monday, the dream's
0: over. Exactly. Um, Happy New Year to Robert and uh, other people that are joining us as, as we um, continue. But, you know, some of you will have noticed that Nico Janssen, isn't with us today so if you're if you're tuning in purely for 10 and 5 then you can uh, you can log off now um but because of that me and Connor thought it would be good for us to maybe recap a, a handful of the the kind of most important stories that broke over that Christmas period that uh you know you might have missed um because you're doing something crazy like spending time with your, your family and friends <laughs> um but yeah back to work now so I think there's one story that's probably been impossible to uh, to escape if you're in the uh, in the gambling industry. And that was Genesis Global, obviously the multibased um, iGaming operator. And the really sad and unfortunate news that basically around 150 of their employees um, found out just one day before Christmas that they were they were going to be out of work in the new year. Um, the company went into insolvency, uh, a very you know, sad situation and, and they'd already found out that they weren't going to be paid their wages for, for December. Um, super horrible timing. And obviously our thoughts go out to, to infected employees. Um, I should also pay, uh, pay some credit to Sonia Lindberg, Lindenberg sorry, as well. Our, one of our uh, most important journalists that I gave me next to was um, kind of, you know, right at the front of this story throughout and, and had spoken to a lot of the uh, impacted employees. Um, to get a full picture of this story, which is uh, which is ongoing, um, we should say uh, if you've been affected, um, if if you know of anything that is is you know going on to help those affected employees, then please do reach out to us, and we'll, we'll continue to report on this as the uh, as the weeks tick by. Um, but yeah, I should just flag that. Uh, where does it um, say here somewhere? It says you can um, you can reach out to the. Uh, to a Maltese government department, uh, yeah, here we go. Malta's Department for Industrial and Employment Relations um, can offer some advice on the situation if you need it. Um, but yeah, Colin, this is a uh, this is pretty terrible timing. It was shocking, mate. yeah. It was absolutely
1: shocking in December. Um, maybe there were maybe it wasn't shocking to everybody. Maybe some people saw it coming. Um, but yeah, I think for those affected. You know what a kick in the kick in the teeth that is to to find out the day before you're going on your Christmas holidays that you're not going to have any Christmas wages to buy your you know buy your <laughs> presents with and your uh, and your dinners and all that stuff. So it was really um yeah really sad really unfortunate timing and obviously there's a huge number of people affected. Um, I think at times like this when you have these sort of uh, small obviously it's not 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 very small but you have these kind of crises within the industry i think something that happens time and time again fortunately we have a very close-knit industry we have you know lots of really really talented people and lots of really talented people i'm sure were working for aspire prior to the new year and um for, genesis, sorry. excuse me genesis pardon me <laughs> um both yeah, yeah both global there you go that's why i'm getting confused so so know those people who are working for Genesis have obviously got a great deal of skills that remain in demand within the industry. Uh, Malta, I'm I'm, I'm sure there's no lack of demand for highly skilled people with iGaming experience. And I think we've seen some companies begin to rally around and start pointing out on social media and other places that they are hiring, there are jobs available, and that those skills um are still needed and so i think it's yeah, you know it's a credit to the industry that we get this kind of response when 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 things like this really sad things like this happen
0: yeah and we're obviously broadcasting live on on linkedin and linkedin is the perfect place to to advertise those vacancies if you've got any we've seen um chris welch from from leo vegas we've seen uh phil pearson who's the new uh ceo of whitelabels.com and uh paul fitchford as well who's um you know, right in the center of the slots uh, design industry all kind of reach out to affected employees and say, you know, take a chance um, because there's people that are uh, some very talented people that, that were, were basically let go there that um, could definitely be an asset to your organization. Um, and this is, yeah, this is an interesting topic in general if we zoom out a bit about these kind of, you know, second tier operators, if you like, that have kind of been... You know, prob- very profitable up till now and ticking along just in that second tier there, but yeah, they're now having to cut costs, and we've seen layoffs at you know Hero Gaming, at, at Press Enter, um, at a couple of others I'm sure I'm forgetting. And this is something I'm uh, exploring for a kind of longer piece um, to publish on the iGaming Next website about you know what's causing this. Obviously, there's you know macroeconomic pressures, but are there other factors at play here? Is there what is the future for for these kind of sides of companies? So, if you've got any thoughts or uh, or uh, theories about that, then then yeah, post them on the chat or or get in touch with us via email. Um, let's look at some other stories people might have missed. Connor, uh, what have you? What ones have you saved to your bookmarks? Ah,
1: yes, good question. We so we had a big story out of Australia around Christmas. Um, so towards the back end of December we had points bet the australian listed uh, sport, principally a sports betting operator uh points bet which is now active in the us and canada um, and provides both sports betting and iGaming gaming in those in those countries uh, Points bet confirmed around Christmas, that it was in talks with better about a possible takeover, a possible sale, I should say, of its Australian division. Now, let me point out quickly, it is better with a B E T R, but it's not that better from the US that people were talking about lots a few months ago. The micro betting, Jake Paul, Joey Levy, simple bet thing. Um the TikTokification of betting. Not that one, no. This is an Australian firm and it's owned by News Corp Australia, along with TechCock Capital in Las Vegas and Betmakers who provide the technology for uh, this Australian better. Now they had already made an offer for Points Bet's Australian division back in June last year. Which was reported to be worth around 220 million Australian dollars, somewhere between 220 and 300 million Australian dollars. That was flat out rejected by Points board, never made it to a shareholder vote. Um, it was just knocked back. But uh, according to reports from uh, December, and of course, Points themselves have uh, confirmed this, the discussions have started again. So, um, who knows what might happen seems like it would be a very bold move for points bet to offload its australian division given that it contributes something like 60% of the group's revenue um, however yeah my feeling jake is that if the price is right for this acquisition it will be a big risk but it could be a masterstroke for points bet and i'll tell you why i think that for me <laughs> Good. Good. Well, you don't need to. I'll tell you. So for me, when I think about Australia, which is not very often, to be honest, and I've never been. But I think in terms of a sports betting and gambling market, you know, I think of it in a similar way to the way I think about the UK, which is obviously that it's a very mature market. Um, It is a large revenue generator. There's a high level of spend per customer in those markets in fact i think australia has the highest globally spend per customer uh, spend per uh, gambling spend per capita so it's a massive gambling nation they love it um and the problem with those jurisdictions is that there are they are very mature super competitive and they i wouldn't consider either of them to be growth jurisdictions at all. And I don't think many people in the industry would nowadays. The competition is so fierce. Uh, as we all know, when you go into a market with experienced punters, you open yourself up to all sorts of bonus abuse and all this stuff. So these markets are really tough to operate in. And um, I think the fact that it's not a growth jurisdiction for points bet was reflected in their latest financial results. I'll wrap this up quickly. Sorry, Jake. Um, uh, which was for calendar Q3, it, which is points, bets, financial Q1. But let's not complicate things. It's the three months until September <laughs> last year. Um, so, net win, which is the kind of the way they present their revenue, their net win from Australia was um, down 13.5% year on year. And the net win okay. from North America, um, or uh, certainly the US specifically more than doubled year on year. So they've got growth rate of over hundred percent year on year in the U S and a, and a a negative growth rate of like 13 and a half percent in Australia. So that's why I kind of think if the price is right on this, um, uh, on this better acquisition, it could be a master stroke for points, bet to inject hundreds of millions of dollars in cash into the business, uh, direct its resources, its staff, its talent, all towards focusing on the US and Canada um, and and really trying to capitalise on the opportunity for growth there, given that, you know, what's happening in Australia doesn't appear to be particularly positive for the business. Um, the other thing to consider, there's a couple of other things to consider. One, of course, is that Australia has no eye gaming, so it's limited in that respect. And the yep. other thing is... Um, something else so there you go
0: (laughs) yeah okay interesting i think obviously like you say there's probably more growth to be had in in the u.s because it's uh it's a more nascent market but yeah i think if we look back at those q3 results i think australia still made up 60 percent of points bets total revenue so it did for them to to basically give up that market to um to better um would surprise me especially considering they're a you know an australian founded and listed company um i get kind of how this would like investors might think positively about this but the american market isn't what it was you know a year two years ago when investors were were crazy for it i think there would be a lot more doubt and questions asked about that now and i think you know this report's very clear that they're in discussions and like you said the initial bid was rejected so there's no evidence that it's got any further than that um and yeah. just being uh and it is just discussions at this moment but i think you touched on the most important topic really which is i gaming because we all know i gaming is the most profitable vertical especially compared to sports betting and points bet has Kind of pivoted to that a little bit in in U.S. states where that's legal, um, and if they can't do that on Australia, you can kind of see maybe Ontario and Canada, these U.S. states, they might want to full pivot on our gaming. But again, I can't see that as they're actually called points bet number one. And yeah, also, no, they're super <laughs> super focused on sports betting. They are, and it's there. And there's no there's problem. no legisl- legislative legislative. Agenda for our gaming expansion, really in in the states, apart from potentially Indiana. So, yeah. I think it would be a pretty hard sell to investors if they were to just offload the Australia business, considering its importance to the overall bulk of revenue for the group. Um, yeah, as I yeah, said, I interesting story and one to keep one to monitor for sure.
1: I, I think they'll they'll they're probably in negotiations at the moment. That's what it sounds like, and I think the point is going to be whether whether better is going to be willing to stump up the cash which would make it worth points that's while if they're able you know if they've just started if they've been growing and growing and growing and just started to decline now in australia and they're able to offload that business at its peak revenue more or less then they might be getting out of it you know uh sort of uh, striking while the iron's hot so to speak um yeah. and another thing actually, well, i just mentioned one thing quickly that uh, that sort of I was reminded of this afternoon and I looked and I thought, hmm, that's quite interesting now, actually. In hindsight, is that in earlier in December, Pointsbet opened a new headquarters for its Canadian operations in Toronto. Despite the fact that its Canadian operations only generated 1.7 million in net wind during the latest quarter. So it's a really small jurisdiction for them compared to the States and to Australia. And yet they've opened this big new innovation hub in Toronto, right in, uh, you know, the capital of Ontario. So with hindsight now looking at, are they going to offload the Australian division? That could be read looking backwards as a bit of a statement of intent in terms of their uh, focus on North America going forward.
0: Yeah. Just a thought. One other other thing that's just occurred to me, actually, that I hadn't thought of before, and it's... thinking really big picture and quite speculative is that they might imagine if they sold the Australian business and then that made them far more attractive to bigger US operators who could then buy the Canadian and US facing points pet business without the overhang of Australia and elsewhere
1: yeah do a Um, William Hill and split it up and set
0: it off in bits yeah, to the highest Yes, Yeah, obviously Good I don't work. know what the points for that executive team are thinking, but uh, maybe that, that's crossed their minds. No, we'll have to ask um, them. The
1: problem with people in Australia <laughs> is we're never there's not an hour of crossover in our working days. That's the trouble.
0: Yeah, I know. We'll have to reach out to one of them in Canada, but that's not much better <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> either. Right, moving on to Europe. Um one of the stories we published on the twenty eighth of December was based on um, some new figures from the European uh, Gaming and Betting Association. Um, I think we've got a graphic actually to demonstrate to demonstrate. Sorry, this uh, their, their growth projections. But basically, what they're saying is that they think the uh, the like European gross gaming revenue um, will reach forty two billion in twenty twenty three. Uh, rising again to 44 billion in 2024. um, And they've actually forecast all the way up to uh, 2027, where they think it will reach in excess of 54.3 billion. Um, I think they've put out quite a detailed report on this that you can probably access if you head to their website. Um, But it's notable that this was uh, published following a 23% increase in revenue for this year. Um, although they did, obviously, that did come with a disclaimer that a lot of that was due to kind of casinos and, and betting shops reopening across Europe um, after the pandemic, which is obviously a trend that we've monitored for some time now.
1: Sorry, Jake, can you explain that again? That was that online gambling revenue only, or was that f- no,
0: no? Sorry, this is this is um, this is retail and online combined. Uh, and this was a study in partnership with HD Gambling Capital.
1: I think there might be a bit of a misnomer in our headline then. Um, but yes, uh, is that <laughs> yeah, what, is that, does think. that include the UK <laughs> as well? Did you you read the report? I, I haven't seen it. Did that include the UK, or was that Europe? Yeah, this is the...
0: this is this is for all of Europe. I think it's
1: Europe, you think yeah. The UK generates about twelve billion of that. Um, Italy is another massive market, and then so Italy's sort of. More or less the size, same size as the UK, as far as I'm aware, in terms of gambling market. And, um, yeah, I suppose between the two of them, they account for something like half of what the EGBA is predicting. So that's pretty impressive. I wonder if um, they've factored in the potential for a licensing regime in Finland into those numbers. But maybe I'm jumping the gun a bit.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think you are. I think that's a perfect perfect segue, Connor.
1: Yeah, well, it would certainly help them get there, wouldn't it? It would help the industry come to those levels of uh, of uh, reported official regulated licensed revenue because um, at the moment, what seems to be going on, and this is from the CEO of the Finnish monopoly operator ViKaus, or ViKaus rather, Oli Sarakoski. That's not a picture of Oli Sarakoski. That's a picture of the European Affairs Minister of um, Finland, so the CEO of Vikhaus uh, has long been saying that it's losing that the operator is losing market share to the black market, um, and that in order to combat that, the only real option left for Finland is to introduce a licensing regime as opposed to a monopoly model. Which kind of makes sense, doesn't it, Jake, given that it's the last monopoly in the EU, I believe? So it's yeah. probably about yeah, time. Right. Um, so it's been confirmed by uh, the Minister of European Affairs, who we've just seen a photograph of, um, in an interview last week. And um, what's going to happen next is that the Swedish government is going to start a uh, a research project um, and uh, try to determine the timeline for, for getting that started. So hopefully... I think we might see this year some kind of research and study go on. Um, They'll probably take a few cues from different jurisdictions across Europe, um, different regulators across Europe. My suspicion is that I don't know why. I don't know why, but I feel like um, people are going to be inclined to copy off the Dutch. I don't know why I think that, but I just think the Dutch are taking this really, really seriously, maybe overdoing it at times. Um, but I think they've done a good job of converting their previously gray market into a regulated market. Um, and it remains to be seen whether, you know, things like the cooling off period will be reflected. It will be interesting to see. Um, so any operators who have got traffic from Finland at the moment, which is not prohibited as far as I'm aware. Um, it's just not regulated there. Uh, yeah, there'll be a bit of uncertainty for now. Um, but obviously,
0: well, this, yeah, I mean, this move. is um, this is one big reason why why Vice House has basically called for a, a licensing regime is because uh, basically unregulated offshore operators are, are taking you know all of the share of, of online gaming because if you've got one legacy monopoly, it's not going to offer the products really that consumers expect. So, yeah, exactly. um, I think in a story Sonia wrote uh, a few months ago now the uh the unregulated revenue total for uh for Finland's unregulated market sorry was uh was expected to reach five hundred million by the end of twenty twenty two. So yeah I think they're obviously hoping that if they can compete alongside licensed operators that'll you know improve the channelization and bring some of that revenue back into the to the licensed market and then the government can can benefit from from tax you know in that in that way basically like we've seen in other European markets.
1: Yeah. So um well, while, while those unregulated operators, uh, or unlicensed operators, I should say, uh, yeah, they're, they're expected to generate uh, revenue of something like half a billion this year. Um, alongside that growth that's been coming over the past few years, Viacaster's revenue has been dropping as well. So in 2017, it generated something like 1.8 billion euros of GGR. And in 2021, that was down to like 1.1 billion of euros. Oh, yeah. I don't think we have a proposed tax rate for Finland yet. I think we're super early just to answer Ed's question. Um, it's just with the Finland's just beginning to start um, researching and looking into this quite seriously, I think. So I don't think there are any concrete suggestions yet for tax rates or or, or how it will work or how many licences they might offer, whether it's limited or unlimited. We simply don't know yet.
0: Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a good question, and it's one we'll uh, we'll put to the regulators when uh, when the time is right. And yeah. it's worth pointing out, Nick, Nico there, um, Nico as well has reached out in the comments to say be aware that those European Gaming Association numbers don't include lotteries. Yeah, um, and the uh, the Finnish minister has said that ViCAPS will will maintain its monopoly on on the lottery as well. So um, that ties those two stories to get together. Uh, quite nicely i would say and um i think that's probably it for our for our roundup Connor. would you say
1: yes i would say so i would say so ed says the lower the tax rate the higher the chance of success i think that's uh, i think there's definitely something in that in order to create a good competitive market where consumers have the right amount of choice and uh, operators want to get licensed yeah i think the tax rate has to be right absolutely Yeah, certainly competitive.
0: Um, Yeah, so as we obviously touched on at the start of the pod, it's a new year. And uh, as well as looking back on 2022, um, we've been inviting people to give us their predictions for the year ahead. Um, Something we like to do every year. um, And we've run a couple on the site already. um, And I thought it would just be nice for us, Connor, to maybe run through a couple of them and then also make some predictions ourselves so we can be held to account by uh by the audience here today yes uh in 12, 12 months time yeah Great. before so, we do
1: before we do let me read yeah. out Pierre's comment there because he's quite right to point that out Finland expects um several industry figures have told us that they expect regulation in Finland no sooner than 2025 but hopefully no later than 2026. so uh, now that the government's confirmed it started the process we' we there's a bit more hope that we might get something in place for 2025 just wanted to mention that but yes predictions
0: let's move on yeah and obviously no no material impact on those forecast european figures then uh if that's the case oh, um but uh but yeah so jesper svensson uh everybody knows jesper the ceo of betson operations he shared some thoughts with us um for the year ahead um they're probably as you'd expect from a man in his position. Let's put it that way. I think that's probably a running theme for, for some of these prediction pieces. Um, but he thinks we're going to see an increased adaptation of local regulations as, uh, as online gambling becomes more popular and more widespread. You know, that's a trend that's been developing for, for years and years now. Um, nothing new, but like we've just spoken about Finland, it's going to continue. Um, so I think that's a fairly risk-free prediction, shall we say. Um, obviously a man in his position has always has also um, sort of shone a light on the uh, on the continued growth of the of the black market for online gambling Um, and as more countries kind of you know adapt local regulations we'll see non-licensed operators um, kind of taking taking business as well And, and I think You know, everybody in a kind of licensed position or that's representative of a trade body in in a lot of countries um, often forewarns about the black market risk and how it doesn't have the same consumer protections. Um, I think they're probably stronger in some markets than than others. Um, Certainly ones with much stricter kind of bonusing uh, regulations. Anything that's kind of negatively impacts the consumer experience, you're likely to see. An uplift in in black market uh, activity and revenue i'd imagine and then his final point is that he said um there'll be more of a focus on web3 and blockchain technology um which i think is probably a fair assumption as those two technologies kind of advance and develop um but they've not been without their headwinds this year so we <laughs> understand the opposite <laughs> yeah that have said the opposite, and that um, people might shy away from those kind of, uh, you know, innovative verticals because there's no there's no certainty there. Um, but no, Jesper expects that to, to keep being explored by companies within our industry, and you know, we're always kind of right at the edge of of of, uh, of cutting edge technology, if you like. So I think he's probably right in that respect as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely, Connor. Did any uh, did any predictions? On the website, take note that you were interested in? Well,
1: we had some esports predictions from Stephen Sells at Rivalry, the esports betting operator. Uh yeah. funnily enough, Jake, he gave the kind of predictions you might have expected from him as well. So there's a new challenger coming into esports, whereas for the last probably 10 years. Uh, League of Legends, Counter Strike, and Dota Two. Dota Two might be a bit newer than that. They have been, I believe, the biggest titles in esports by viewership. Yeah, view they're the ones you and, think about, aren't they? When, yeah, when you and certainly e-sports. by um, by betting volume according to Rivalry. So they obviously have a lot of esports betting traffic, and they can give a pretty good picture of what the attitudes are. Now there's a new one coming in called Valorant. Uh, and betting volume on Valorant increased by 264% in 2022. So, I think if anybody out there was running a business and introduced a new vertical or a new betting product, and all of a sudden it was growing 300% year on year, I think you'd be pretty keen to try and capitalize on that. And you would find that very encouraging. So, Valorant, I've no idea what it is, Jake. It's not my sense. <laughs> I, ho- I was hoping you did because I don't. Do you- no, will you was, look was, I'm just googling it as we speak. I hope you don't <laughs> take this the wrong way, but you look like you like eSports. I can imagine you in the really? arena waving those. I think it's the glasses, yeah. Uh, yeah, possibly.
0: No, my so, gaming my gaming experience extends to the, the FIFA franchise and that's about it. I gave that oh, up as well. Yes. So. Yeah, well, good on you, mate. <laughs> it's not good for your health. <laughs> Better to play no. real football, I think. Um, Here we go. Val- Valorant is a free-to-play, so kind of Fortnite-y, I suppose. First-person tactical hero shooter uh, developed and published by Riot Games for Windows. It's a Counter-Strike clone. What more do you need yeah, to know than that? There we go. There you go. It's a <laughs> Counter-Strike clone. Well, that's just fine.
1: Counter-Strike, have you ever played it? It's extremely difficult, Jake. It's no Call of Duty 4. Very, very difficult. <laughs> Get in the game. Yeah, all right. But yeah, maybe yeah, one day. Right.
0: Yeah, get, uh, get our heads so, in the game at least.
1: So that I think that's interesting about that you say it's free to play, because yeah, Fortnite was the same and these free to play games have really exploded in the last few years. Um and introduced a kind of a new way of doing things, I suppose, that that video game publishers obviously that model's changed quite quickly in the last in the last decade. Yeah, massively, also.
0: hasn't it? Nobody's paying, you know, nobody's paying sixty quid to, to download or buy a game anymore. There's no point. It's free yeah. and then all your all your purchases are uh, in-app. And I think, yeah, it was Fortnite. And then obviously, COD Warzone, wasn't it? They kind of really popularised that. Um, yeah. And I think the big football franchises like FIFA are, are going to do something similar. And uh, Pro Evolution, as it was known, the kind of competitor title to that, already has with, oh, yeah. with eFootball. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. And uh, actually, just before we came on air, um, some new predictions came into my inbox courtesy of, uh, of our good friends at Islas and Krychek. Um, mm-hmm. And they've made four, four predictions for the US market going into 2023, uh, which I'm going to share with you now. So see what you think of these. They've been saying this for a while, but they expect Bet365s to make a splash in the US, finally, at long last, um, with multiple state launches, obviously beginning with Ohio, which we've seen go live on New Year's Day. Um, and then the little teaser here, it says, in addition to that, we think Bet365 could surprise via MA activity. Maybe they know something that we don't, Connor. Well, maybe they that do. That would be a turn up for the books, wouldn't who, who,
1: what business would give Bet365 an advantage in the US?
0: Do I don't think... know. I think it's more notable just for the fact that Bet365 is always an everything proprietary, like, in every market. It's never... It's never really bought gone out and bought anything. So that would be uh, you know, quite a quite a deviation in, in strategy for them. Um
1: they're not gonna yeah, go on. The thing is with three six five, I'm not sure how much marketing they do. Maybe they do a lot more marketing than I think, but but the the I I'll be honest with you, Jake. I use Bet365, and I use it because it's fantastic. The product's brilliant. It works really nicely. I've seen it go down once in the World Cup final. It went down once for about 45 seconds, and I couldn't believe it. I said, oh, my God, I've never (laughs) seen this before. But the product's great. You get odds boosts. They give you a little retention bonus, a little £5 free bet whenever they fancy. Sometimes you get one a week or something like that. They're quite generous in that respect easy yeah. to use payments are quick all this stuff you know and yeah. it's always yeah. been built and you know that's what's happened they've been full like fully online since 1997 or something they closed the last shop didn't they it's like they've yeah got and this i think relentless... they, they always
0: come out on top in uh, in oh, isla's product testing um yeah. product testing um of, so, i don't know what would you call it study in the uk as well they do, the UK yeah market. they do analysis so they want to and... take that to america
1: they do analysis and testing of the of different apps. I was at the Better Collective Bookmaker Awards in Amsterdam last year. Bet365 oh, yeah. took home about three quarters of the awards for being the best bookmaker. <laughs> they're brilliant, and their product—they have this relentless focus on on product, which is super important. Yeah. So it's sort of—I don't know what Ian K are getting up to. I don't know what they're trying to suggest that they're going to buy no, something because I, I can't really picture unless <laughs> unless there was some complete. Sort of uh, strategic pivot going on where Bet Three Six Five are going to buy up like media assets in the US and push their brand. Yeah, way. I think you're I... right.
0: It's not going to be anything product related because they they do it best. I think if it if it does happen, it will be marketing or it will be something to do with localization. Just so they can get their brand out there because that's what's kind of holding them back um, in the US yeah. at the moment. I would say maybe maybe okay, they want to bring a next... payment method in house. You never know. We'll see. Yeah. So, so the next prediction uh, is that a major US online sports betting company will go private. So they're saying somebody will potentially go from public to private because obviously public markets are a complete nightmare at the moment. Investor sentiment has changed entirely. Um, and basically your focus, so much of your focus, energy, effort, everything is spent on doing quarterly reports and kind of you know talking through things with your investors that, you could do better off being right there like 365 where you just have a streamlined internal focus on product um so yeah it's easy to see how they've come up with that but i don't know how easy it is to just pivot to a, a private company i guess it could happen via a private equity buyout but it's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of paperwork in itself just to get that that done i would imagine
1: yeah, I don't know how it would work. The first firm that sprung to mind when you said that, but I don't know if this is even possible to list and delist so quickly. But I did think what about Supergroup who came in the market? That's exactly and, what I thought as well. At $10 a share and now they're sitting at $3 a share yeah. and saying, "Well, we tried, we failed, and we're moving on. It's time to delist." Yeah, having enormous
0: success as a uh, as a quite secretive, you know, pro- private company across pretty much all markets and then did a did a SPAC listing uh and we know how most of them ended up and uh yeah. I think yeah you're right they're, they're probably regretting it um so that that was the first company that sprung into my mind when I read that as well yeah well there you go see great, um, minds, great minds think alike <laughs> yeah the next one is sports bet, sports betting legalization grinds to a near halt um I think we've covered that probably already that you know the big, certainly the big states. There's not any movement. We saw what happened in California last year. Texas probably not going to happen. Um, we've had Ohio and we've had a couple at the turn of this year, but looking further into twenty twenty three, it looks looks pretty bleak for, for bleak for, for sports betting and and for i gaming. Um, and then the next one I also think is particularly interesting, is that they think seven figure fines are going to start flowing into the U S market. Because at the moment, we've only seen a couple of, you know, $100,000 fines for kind of marketing breaches and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. as regulators basically try and get their heads around online gambling. Um, But I think especially with the New York Times Times recent coverage, uh, we're going to see a kind of laser-like focus on on the gambling industry this year. And that could lead to uh, fines kind of more in keeping with the ones that we see uh, in Europe and the UK sweden jurisdictions like that
1: yeah why wouldn't you if you're a regulator and people break your rules that's what you're there for like in but but it there's probably going to be some yeah some, some some fast growth in how big those fines get how quickly i remember when i first started in gaming back in my day jake in 2018 way back when I started, I think my first <laughs> my first day working in gaming, everyone was walking around the office going, Oh my god, William Hill has been fined a million pounds. And yeah. I remember sitting there and thinking, That doesn't sound like that much for William Hill. I think they can cope with that. And then in the five years that have ensued, last year we've had the biggest ever fine, seventeen million for Entain. So Yeah. Globally, obviously, regulators are waking up to this and saying, "Yeah, let's make our paper where we can." So, yeah, I think you, uh, I think, I think Anas and Krychek got a good point there.
0: Yeah, and uh, if you look at the chat, you can see Pierre's jumped the gun slightly and has gone gone in early with his bold prediction. So he's, he said, "Stake.com will become the biggest operator." in the world. Um, and who's to say they aren't that already? Uh, I think they're, they're probably right up there with, uh, with a few others that we might not uh, have full yeah. transparency over, let's say. Um, yeah. Well, I know of that, at least one little... who
1: I'm pretty sure is bigger.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I think this leads quite nicely. We've just talked about regulators. Pierre's talking about stake.com. Um, so I'm quite tempted to just take it away with uh, with my prediction, Connor. if that's all right with you.
1: Go for it, mate. Yeah, go on, if you want to show yourself up.
0: Yeah, everyone will be uh, screen recording now so they can (laughs) laugh at me come December next year, this year. Um, But yeah, my big prediction is that regulators are going to come down hard on crypto um, in general following obviously the FTX scandal um, and Sam Bankman-Fry's obviously facing quite significant charges in the US to say the least uh in terms of fraud and everything else. Um is faces, it pronounced fried? You know, Surely it's freed, man. Freed, sorry, yeah. Bankman Freed. If <laughs> he not guilty but faces more than a hundred years in prison uh if he is convicted. And obviously I don't want to, you know, paint crypto with the same brush as, as FTX because there are other things going on there and um you know it's a case of fraud rather than crypto. But what it will do is make regulators sit up and take notice and think oh hold on a second maybe we should actually work a hell of a lot harder to try and understand this um, because at the moment like so far let's face it it's been able to kind of tickle on quite nicely under the uh, under <laughs> forth, under the radar and i think this is obviously going like we've mentioned stake i think the regulated environment as it is pe- more and more companies are going to be looking towards crypto as a way of uh, increasing their revenues Again, I think that will alert the attention of uh, of the authorities. Um, and, yeah, so that's my big prediction. Regulators are going to take crypto seriously, and that's going to have big ramifications for our gaming companies that focus on crypto.
1: Fair enough, my I think you've probably got a point. It's a bit, even though it's, you know, reasonably well-established now, people have been talking about Bitcoin for 10 years or more, still a bit of a Wild West, isn't it? I think... Um, big time in terms of regulation yeah yeah it's as if there's a whole like a parallel economy going on where there's a whole set of finance money businesses operating all this stuff and i think that was part of the problem with sp uh, what was it ftx uh yeah was that they were kind of listing worthless cryptos as genuine assets of valuable assets i think there's kind of there's a I don't know what I'm talking about because I don't understand technology because I'm a moron. But I think there's like (laughs) there's something there. There's something there (laughs) in just this this speculative bubble stuff of just coins buying other coins, and none of them are really tied to anything in the real world. But it's created this kind of strange sort of parallel economy where maybe if you'd bought hundred pounds worth of Bitcoin ten years ago, you'd be a millionaire today. But you don't want to pay taxes on it, and you don't want anyone to know who you are, so you can't change it back to cash. You just need to use it as Bitcoin. But there's only so much you can do with Bitcoin. You can't buy a house in Bitcoin. What can you do with it? Yeah, gamble. You can gamble. Yeah. So I'm feeling
0: a new uh, a new content series here, Connor on crypto. Connor and Chris, oh, you oh, yeah, yeah you could just ramble about the stuff you don't understand yeah That's the, the ramblings of an idiot <laughs> yeah I don't even know how electricity <laughs> works <laughs> yeah so Danny Danny Howard's put a comment in the chat that I think you know quite eloquently sort of sums up what I was trying to say which is um, SPF um, will be used in, as an example for regulators to understand the industry further across many jurisdictions and yeah I think that'll extend into iGaming gaming as well so Connor Time for you to uh, put your head above the parapet. Oh, um, I want one prediction from you, because I know you, you you were planning on sitting on the fence and having about eight, like 10 no, not. predictions. That, hoping I mean, some of them would stick. So uh, let's got, hear what we've got for
1: us. I've got opinions about all sorts, Jake. I think... Right. I am going to sit on the fence a bit. I'm going to tell you what my... <laughs> I'm going to tell you what my initial thought was when you said, what's your prediction for this year? My initial thought... Okay. And it's very timely because they've been in the news today. My initial thought was uh, Fanatics sports betting operations in the US are going to crash and burn. It's going to cost them a fortune. They're going to piss off all their investors. Everyone's going to... Are they privately owned, publicly owned? I don't even know.
0: Anyway. Yeah, but they've got loads of investors, yeah.
1: Yeah. So they're going to burn through loads of cash. It's going to be a nightmare. They're not going to be able to take market share from uh, Flutter. Like what? On your own... On Your own platform that you're building on a Melco software, you're gonna go and compete with FanJul. Um, um, anyway, I think <laughs> it's I think I think they're gearing Deeper. up for a living nightmare <laughs> in the US. I think they're gearing up for that. However, this is where I sit on the fence and this is where I temper my prediction because the real prediction is if they try to enter the US market in the same way as other operators are currently doing, then they'll push and burn. So the real prediction is either they're going to do something really differently and make a success of it, or they're going to mess it up. Uh, Canby didn't pay me to say this no, <laughs> but I have I have yeah. met some very nice people from Canby in the past, but not recently, Pierre, I can assure you.
0: Um, yeah, so just to add some context to, to what Pierre's talking about there, obviously, the like Connor said, the news broke this morning that Fanatics has chosen a Melco source code to build its US sports betting product on. Um, and a lot of Canby investors were hoping that they would instead choose Canby. Um, they didn't, and the, and the share price dropped quite significantly this morning. Um, was it? But yeah, Con- Connor somehow managed to uh, to sit bang in the middle of the fence there with that prediction. So on the one hand, it could be good, but on the one hand, it could be bad. Is basically No, what
1: true. I said was, <laughs> either they'll crash and burn or they'll have to do something super different Prediction twenty twenty three kind of won't be on Fanatics Christmas card list. It's fine. I have no interest in
0: sports merchandise. No, but I know what you're saying because a lot of people have obviously said, you know, there's a very, there's a very established kind of top four in the US, and some yeah. some people that are much smarter than us have said if it's going to be broken up, then Fanatics might yes, be the so. company to do that. <laughs> um, no, are, but you're saying. Our you're you're, you're Allen calling bullshit sure, on that me. if they go in, yeah, if they go in with the same strategy that we've seen, you know, cost billions of dollars in the U S already. Um, so what, what strategy could they use in your view to, to make a success of it? I assume uh, you're talking about the, the kind of merchandising database that they've got already or. Is yeah. It I else? mean, they've got a massive database. Well, I mean, it,
1: uh, they're a recognized brand. They've got, home, you know, millions of customers. Um, Maybe, you know, maybe they decide not to spend a penny on on sports betting marketing. Maybe they decide to do it all on a revenue share basis through affiliates. Maybe they only advertise to their existing customers or, you know, there are things they could do. Maybe they put betting kiosks in the shops where they sell
0: jerseys. I don't know. That's the really interesting thing for me is that then they've made very clear that they're not online only and Mm -hmm. that retail is going to be a massive part of their plan.
1: Um, home. Yeah, buy a, a New a, York Yankees hat. A get a ten dollar free bet. Yeah. now you're a customer.
0: Yeah,
1: maybe that's uh, so. That's, that's the other thing is, on the agenda all along is, is land-based customer acquisition with the people who are coming in the shops or people who are buying yeah. fanatics merchandise online. Here, enjoy your jersey. Here's a ten dollar free bet. Get gambling.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty, good. Yep.
1: Could Pretty good. Yeah, good. Pretty okay. good. Yeah. Well, all right. we've only got no, uh, no. Now that we've discussed it, I take it all back. I was like, oh, Fnatic's
0: <laughs> are going to be fine. Okay, that's your prediction. Phonetics that's my prediction, gonna they're going to be just fine. Yeah. <laughs> Great. All right, well, we're just about um, out of time. If anybody else does have any predictions they want uh, on the public record, please post them to the chat. Uh, post them in the comments so we can see them. But if not, I think we'll, uh, we'll wrap up there, Connor. 2023 is going to be a, a massive year for iGaming next, so... Please keep an eye on the website. We've got some really cool projects that we're going to be launching um, that will inform you about closer to the time. But one way you can keep in touch is by subscribing to our newsletter. Um, there's like you can subscribe to that on our homepage, or hopefully one of our production and marketing team will drop a little link in the uh, in the comments for you if you're not subscribed already. Um, And yeah, that comes out weekly on Thursdays with all the big headlines from the industry. Uh, It comes out usually just before we go live, actually. So it will um, kind of inform you and you can join the debate with us as we go live every Thursday. Um, But before I go, thank you, of course, to our sponsors, Placen and Zimpler. Thank you to Connor. You've been hilarious as always. And uh, (laughs) thanks to everyone for joining us and for your support. Have a good year. Thanks, everyone. And
1: have a new year for the last time.
0: New York, New York, the city that never sleeps and the gateway to the land of opportunity, a true melting pot where dreams become reality and great ideas come to life. With the US online sports betting and iGaming sectors predicted to generate $10 billion in 2023, there is so much potential to fulfill. The competition is fierce and nobody said it would be easy, but together we can make our sector fly. So get ready to learn, connect and inspire at iGaming Next, New York City.